Hello and a warm welcome. Thanks for joining us. We're continuing to study the Gospel of Mark today here at Search for Truth. It's good to have your company in our Bible study time with Brian Johnston. And Brian's study is today called Gaining Insight at Last. Uh, Jesus' disciples, not unlike ourselves today perhaps, can have different levels of appreciation and knowledge as to who Jesus really is. And that can affect our interaction with him uh, and each other as well. So Brian's looking mainly into Mark chapter 8. If you've got your Bible, then you may want to follow. And here's Brian. Thanks, John. In this section of Mark's Gospel, which, as you said, is the latter part of chapter 8, in this section we are reminded of three things. First, of how Herod would not repent. Second, that the Pharisees were unable or unwilling to believe, no matter how many signs they saw. And third, how a seemingly trivial conversation about lunch showed the same faithless tendency characterising Jesus' own disciples. It all follows on from the miraculous feeding of the 4,000 we heard about last time. It was directly after Jesus' return to the Jewish region again that the Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, Why does this generation seek for a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. And they had forgotten to take bread, and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. I just want to interrupt the reading there to prepare for the fact that Jesus is now going to begin to fire off eight questions in the five verses that follow. Listen out for them. Eight questions in quick succession shows significant emotional investment by the Lord in this issue, which is the issue surrounding the disciples' lack of faith. That alone makes it worthy of our keenest attention. We need to ask, Just what is going on here? Now for those questions. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? They said to him, Twelve. When I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. And he was saying to them, do you not yet understand? Okay, let's begin by asking, what's Jesus saying about leaven or yeast? For it was when the disciples were discussing Jesus' mention of leaven that the Lord began the series of questions. Let's rewind to verse 15 again. And he was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. What does Jesus mean? What does the leaven represent? The leaven of the Pharisees can't refer to their teaching, as that meaning would make no sense when we come to relate it to Herod. For Jesus equally spoke of the leaven of Herod. 
What we have already encountered in Mark's Gospel is the fact that Herod would not repent, and the Pharisees have been shown to be unable, or at least unwilling, to believe in Jesus, no matter how many signs they see. The overall correct response to the message Jesus brings is to both repent and believe. To repent and believe that Jesus has come to rescue his people in a greater way than Moses. The disciples were concerned about how to feed themselves with only one loaf of bread. Jesus takes them back to the feeding of the 5,000 and then on to the feeding of the 4,000. They recollect and agree the facts. It's not a memory lapse or an intellectual difficulty that they're having, but it's as if they've not processed this information. They've not drawn the obvious conclusion about the new Moses, the new deliverer, the person they're following. This begins to amount, on their part, to rebellious ignorance. Jesus' reference to the imagery of the yeast is a reference to the leaven of culpable, willful ignorance. Their hearts, the hearts of the disciples, were hard. They were lacking insight. In other words, they were just like Herod and the Pharisees, or in danger of becoming so. Jesus then uses a phrase coined by Jeremiah and Ezekiel in the Old Testament, which was about eyes that don't see and ears that can't hear. These quotes show God's judgment on morally culpable people is to blind and to deafen them. They'd seen Jesus do so much. They'd heard Jesus say so much. But the disciples are still blind. They can't see who Jesus really is. Their hearts are still hard and they don't believe. They're just like the Pharisees. Like the disciples, our hearts are hard and we too need a miracle so that we can believe in Jesus. Jesus warns his disciples not to be like the Pharisees and not to be like Herod. People use yeast in baking bread to make it rise as it spreads through the bread mixture. Be careful, Jesus is saying, that the yeast of the Pharisees doesn't spread to you, giving you the same hard hearts as they have. But wait a moment, let's apply this to ourselves as well. We can become like the people close to us. Jesus says, be careful of that yeast. It can easily spread to us. We also can become very slow to believe in Jesus. Often, the miracles that the Lord Jesus performed had a teaching purpose, as well as bringing blessing to the person concerned. Mark now follows up the lesson about leaven with the description of a miracle done to a blind man. In a way, the disciples are all like spiritually blind men. They see the signs Jesus does, but due to them having hard hearts, they too refuse to believe in Jesus' true identity. In a very real sense, the disciples need a miracle. And the next thing we read about is in fact a miracle. It's one in which a blind man sees. It's another miracle with a message. The healing of the blind man points to the solution, the solution the disciples themselves need. This is what we read, verse 22 of Mark 8. They came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. 
Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village, and after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. Then again he laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Yes, this is a miracle with a difference, isn't it? Jesus touches the man's eyes twice. Not because it didn't work well the first time. Jesus meant to do the miracle in two parts, because the miracle has a message. This man is like the disciples. Very soon they'll see, but they'll still only half see. Peter gets his eyes opened, halfway at least. Peter, like the man on whom the miracle was performed, can now see who Jesus is, but he's still half-blind because he doesn't yet understand why Jesus has come. Let's read from verse 27 now. Jesus went out, along with his disciples, to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? They told him, saying, John the Baptist? And others say Elijah, but others one of the prophets. And he continued by questioning them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. And he warned them to tell no one about him. Peter sees that Jesus is the Christ, but he doesn't see that Jesus must die. Peter is like the man whom the Lord healed from his blindness. First blind, and then only half-blind. For the rest of Mark's Gospel, the disciples are still half-blind. Jesus teaches them, but they don't see very well. In fact, they don't completely understand until Jesus rises from the dead. We've talked about Mark's Gospel being a book of two halves, divided by this confession made by Peter, which is the middle one of three confessions about Jesus being the Son of God. The first half of Mark's Gospel, up to this point, is focused on showing who Jesus is. Afterwards, the concentration is on showing why he came. Think about the actual blind man again for a moment. Jesus takes the man out of the village and doesn't want him to go back after. Jesus wants to keep this miracle quiet. It's been something for the disciples to think about. They mustn't tell people yet, because, like them, people have the wrong idea about the Christ. They first need to see what Jesus came to do. I can see. Those are the best words a blind man can ever say. And you are the Christ are the best words Peter ever said. Other people say different things about Jesus, but Peter knows the truth and isn't afraid to say it. Perhaps, like Peter... You only half see. There are still many things you don't understand. Don't be afraid to tell others that you believe in Jesus the Saviour. And as you follow Jesus, he will help you to see more and more. And then you can share that also. I was in blindness away from the Lord, knowing no gladness, living in sadness, until the light of his wonderful word flooded my sinful soul, making me whole. I'm happy.
I'd like to remind you that there's a book which contains all the transcripts of the talks in this series. It's yours for the asking, and if you'd like a copy, just write in by post or email. And the talk you've heard today is also available to download via the internet in audio or text format. To obtain the book, simply ask for Take Your Mark's Gospel, and uh, you can request it by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Button Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. And also, I remind you as well uh, to look out for Search for Truth featuring on this website, um, www.twr360.com. Dot org. Tuning into that, you can uh, have another excellent way of accessing again what you first heard here on air. That's almost the end, unfortunately, and I hope you enjoyed today's talk and found it helpful. Please join us again next week if you can. It'd be lovely to see you for a further study in Mark's Gospel. Until then, it's cheerio and very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. May God richly bless you. He is preparing a mansion of fair, free from all sorrow, some glad tomorrow. I'll join the loved ones awaiting up there, throughout eternity with them to be. I'm happy, happy my Saviour, in my Saviour. Happy in my Saviour, in my Saviour, trusting the Lord my sorrow is